today on Ag News Daily. The wheat market was able to have, you know, over an 80 cent rally over the past couple of weeks. And that was on China buying. The wheat market was up to the 200, I'm sorry, the 100 day moving average right around the 630 price area for the March contract. Well, here we are, 12 11, 2023, Agnes Daily Podcast, Market Monday for Delaney and Tanner. Ready to roll, Delaney? I'm ready to roll, Tanner. I can't believe Christmas is like, what, is it two weeks away from today? Yeah, uh, two weeks yikes. away from today. You are, you are correct. Have you got your shopping done? No, I was just thinking I don't have it all done. Do you? <laughs> I am very blessed. I only have to shop for a couple of people. My wife takes care of most of it. Well, yeah, that's why I was thinking I had to finish up the shopping because Blaine probably won't be doing it. So that's pretty funny. We do have a friend on X or Ag Twitter, Michael Bergen, always sets a reminder for 90 days out once it hits a fog day. So here we are a couple of weeks back. I had screenshotted one of his reminders, but he's going to have to do that again for today. We had dense fog. This morning in North Dakota, Nebraska, South Dakota, visibility was down to less than a quarter of a mile, making some driving conditions kind of hazardous. We also saw strong winds in most of the Midwest that will pick up this afternoon and tomorrow. That did help some of that fog clear. Within our area, looking at southeastern Oklahoma and northwestern Arkansas for tinderbox conditions, according to the National Weather Service. And certainly that is low humidity, high winds, and above normal temperatures. That could create dry grasses, especially those pasture grazing type animals, especially those owners of land like that, to potentially have fire risk. But other than that, Delaney, besides a little bit of fog and some extremely dry weather, that's what we've got for weather. Well, we do have some big weather going on in South America today. Tanner, we saw some big moves in the soybean complex, which I'm sure will get Naomi Bloom's take on here in just a little bit. But as we look at weather patterns ahead for South America, they're going to continue to face some tough growing conditions for the season ahead of them. The general theme of wetter weather in southern Brazil, but drier weather the farther north you go, continues to plague especially the area of Mato Grosso, which is one of the largest soybean producing parts of the country. That hot and dry weather pattern in Mato Grosso is expected to continue into mid-December for central Brazil. And we're also heading into monsoon season, but with the El Nino weather pattern we're seeing right now, that has continued to push the pattern more drier than what we typically see for the monsoon season. We are going to have to really dig into this one today, Tanner, because like I said, seeing big moves today in the uh, soybean complex. And a lot of that, I think, is probably South America weather derived. Yeah, Jerry Golke put out an article this morning saying that uh, after the last article he wrote about the El Nino weather patterns, the rally market rallied. But since then... Brazil has started getting some of their crops planted. It's interesting. He reflects back on 2015 as about the most recent opportunity we have to look at what an El Nino market does to South America. So that'll be good questions for us to ask Naomi. We also have some potential progress uh, between Mexico and Canada, especially corn, the Mexico's ban on genetically modified corn for human consumption. Bill Sachs said that uh, this looks like a call that he had recently, as well as a meeting at COP. 
the U.S. and Mexican agricultural officials did get some bilateral discussions started. The American delegation, again, stressed that the, they need Mexico as a trading partner. Mexican president did say that he, even though he initiated the GMO corn ban, he is now set to leave office at the in September of this year. So there could be hope, Dwayne. There are some longer resolutions in the favor of the U.S. on this dispute. Vilsack says he hopes that and believes the new administration will look at the science and take facts into consideration rather than emotion. Even though white corn is still a small percentage of the business that they do with the U.S., that is still important trade business for us to have. So we'll see if U.S. officials continue to push forward in uh, in the anticipation of their presidential office change delays. Yeah, that's going to be a big question to focus on here as we do see that shift in administration for Mexico, uh, but yet to be seen there. Tanner, we've gotten, of course, the latest WASI report that happened on Friday morning, mid-morning there. We also got some fresh estimates here from both CONAB, Brazil, and Argentina's foreign entity, similar to the United States, as well as SOV Econ, about some production estimates that are going to be happening here moving forward. In South America, we did see that CONAB, just ahead of the WASI report, cut expectations for production numbers, both for corn and soybeans for Brazil and Argentina. We also saw that in the Black Sea region, Sovicon has actually raised their 2023 corn estimate for Ukraine by about 900,000 metric tons. So not a huge move, but they are expecting to see Ukraine be up significantly higher compared to last year, about three and a half million metric tons more crop they're expecting to see come out of the fields. Um, They did not touch the wheat crop for Ukraine's predictions for production this year, and they raised their estimates for the 23-24 wheat crop by about 200,000 metric tons. They said that Russia has not been able to disrupt the grain flow out of the terminals in the Danube and Odessa, so they're expecting to see more production coming out of the country next year, Tanner, so time will only tell there. Yeah, that's right. Delaney, if you had to put a guess on total sales of agricultural products, what percentage of those ag products are considered organic? Mm, Interesting question. Are we talking U.S. production specifically? U.S. production. That's correct. I'm going to say 15%. It is 6.5%. So even though it is continuing to grow, The research done here states that organic farming is growing year over year, but it is still surprisingly low in numbers. Historical sales nearly doubled since 2020. It represents nearly one little over one trillion dollars in food. And according to the USDA's consumption figures, that is just over six percent. When you look at crop to crop, it can be anywhere from two to nine percent. But even though the global organic sales is roughly twice as large, the global ag market is three times the size. So globally, it's less than 2%. Organic sales are growing, but they have a long way to go in comparison to that of conventional products. Organic dairy is challenging the rules that require organic feed, housing, rules, rations, and medications to potentially get more of their milk considered organic to produce, even though it may not meet non-GMO standards for the corn that is fed to the animals. 
Inflation's made consumers price sensitive, and that will potentially hamper the growth in the years to come. But I thought that was an interesting statistic that the USDA put out that we could share with our listeners. That is, I'm, I would not have, I obviously didn't guess correctly. I was thinking it couldn't be su- super high, but I was thinking 10% maybe didn't seem quite high enough. So a little surprised to learn it was only, what'd you say, six and a half percent there? Yep. They've got room for growth. Room for growth. Yes. That's a good way to put it. We also have room for growth, Tanner, when we look at export sales of the latest USDA marketing year to date for soybean Export inspections is down about 16% from the previous time this year for our pace. Uh, We're going to have to see that pick up here to be able to hit USDA's current targets reflected on, of course, the latest WASDA report and overall their just estimated marketing is moving forward. But when we look at being able to compete on the global marketplace, we also have to recognize that here within the next two months or so, we're going to see Brazilian supplies start to come online. So maybe a tough road to hoe here as we're starting to see some true demand destruction. And not only that, but exports inspections have really been slow this time of year, Tanner. Uh, That could be potentially due to some labor issues we have here in the United States and less so about demand. As we look at last Friday's WASD report numbers, just want to mention those quickly here because I know we'll get Naomi Bloom's take on them in just a minute. But as far as the world ending stocks and U.S. grain ending stocks go, the corn ending stocks here for the month of December came right in line with analyst expectations uh, up They're down just slightly from November's report. Soybeans also fairly in line with analyst expectations, the average, therefore, I should say, since ranges were pretty wide. And wheat also came fairly in line with analyst expectations and close to the average, a little lower on the lower end, I would say, of what analysts were potentially expecting. The world ending stocks were pretty much a similar story, although soybeans came in a little bit higher than what the average trade estimate was expecting. So we'll get Naomi Bloom's take on all of that here in just a little bit, Tanner. Yeah, I've just got a couple quick headlines, uh, including Russia, Ukraine, to wrap up mine. In June 2022, the Iowa DNR investigated a complaint for potentially hazardous material being buried on site outside of New Liberty. Seavers Family Farms has a cattle operation there, jointly operates Agra Renew, and they have now been fined for burying biogas waste. So in eastern Iowa, the benefits have been turning agricultural byproducts into energy and refining those, but burying barrels of waste from their operation into a giant pit, and that has become a no-no, Delaney. When we look at Russia and Ukraine, we have seen lead correspondent uh, Viktor Novaini is now missing from prison. Putin's enemy number one, CNN's senior correspondent, is no, not able to be located right now. Putin has also said that he will run again for president in 2024. Of course, we talked about what Zelensky said, stating that he doesn't feel a change of power in the midst of this war would be uh, good for his country. Zelensky is also going to visit Washington to, uh, to see if he can get some favor on his side, even though Republicans have been pushing back in Congress for where aid is going. And we'll see how those meetings turn out. That's what I've got for headlines today. Well, I think I am out of headlines here as well, aside from headlines impacting the market for today, Tanner, as we take a look at the 
Closing market prices here on this Monday afternoon. March corn today shed three pennies to close at 482.5. Soybeans, as I mentioned, put on some big price moves today, trading uh, poor South American weather once again. January soybeans up 34 cents on the board at 1338. In the wheat complex today, big moves to the downside as the March Chicago contract lost 22 and a quarter cent at 609 and a half. March hard red winter wheat lost 27 and three quarter cents at 6.33, and March spring wheat lost 18 cents to close at 7.11 and a half. Livestock today had some mixed trade as the February live cattle contract added $2.17 and a half cents to close at a buck 67.90. March feeder cattle added 2.52 to close at 2.18.60, and February lean hogs shed $1.65 today to close at 67.32 and a half. Daniel, let's turn it over to our Market Monday conversation with Naomi Bloom. Well, as promised, we are excited today to be chatting with Naomi Bloom of Total Farm Marketing. Naomi, uh, happy early Merry Christmas. Well, thank you. And same to you. Thank you so much. We're excited to uh, have a couple of last final conversations here before we enter into the new year, which is crazy to think that's just right around the corner. Man, we have a lot of big topics, I feel like, going on right now. We had Friday's WASDE report. We've got some fresh news about South American weather. What do you think is the most important thing to be watching here as we head into the new year? Two things. One, absolutely the South American weather. That is first and foremost. The other thing is going to be the result of the Fed meeting that is going to be happening this week. So the meeting is Tuesday, Wednesday. And then on Wednesday afternoon, that's when the Fed will announce if they're raising interest rates or keeping them unchanged. And we have to keep an eye on that because of how that affects the dollar. So the the hope is that they keep interest rates unchanged. It's probably too early for them to lower it. Um, But if they keep it unchanged, and if some of their commentary is such that they are likely to lower it in the future, then that would make the value of the dollar go down. And if the value of the dollar can work lower, as you know, that's good for agricultural exports. So for us to sell to other countries, if the dollar's lower, it helps with the currency exchange rate. So I think those are the two things that we want to be watching over the next couple of weeks. So before we dump into those two topics, what does this time of year typically bring us in the markets? Is this where fund managers take time for vacation and there's less action? What's trade volume look like? Well, every year is a little bit different. From a seasonal standpoint, actually, corn, soybeans, and wheat have a tendency to do a slow grind higher for prices into the end of the year. So we'll see if the funds exit some of the short positions that they have with wheat and corn. They they have been exiting some of the wheat short positions. And we'll see if maybe the Fed commentary um, later this week helps give them some incentive to exit corn positions. But then, of course, with the weather in South America, and there's still rumors swirling that China may need to buy potentially even a little bit more wheat or even some more corn. So we have to watch those export numbers also. Yeah, export numbers is something I'm glad you mentioned, because especially as we look at soybean exports, they continue to run behind the pace that USDA says we need to be at to meet marketing expectations for this year. So are we seeing it purely be demand destruction or is there something else at play here? 
Well, <clears throat> so with the beans, I, I personally feel that, of course, we have the lower exports from a couple of years ago for multiple reasons. We had high priced beans. We had the value of dollar that was higher. And then we had Brazil growing a record crop and then could deliver to the world um, a cheaper product. And so those are the reasons that's been weighing on U.S. bean exports. Our, the bean story, though, continues to be friendly or supportive because of the crush demand increase. But it feels right now like the bean market, even the corn market is doing um, kind of just standing almost like if you were standing when you were little on a, on a teeter totter right in the middle of the teeter totter and balancing it out and just trying to see, you know, which side is going to go down first or which side goes higher. And that's where we're at with with all of the news for these things. We're kind of balanced right now. But if the weather in South America stays hot and dry, if we see an uptick in exports, those are reasons why the market could go higher. Um, but then, of course, there's reasons why prices could go lower, especially um, if the weather in South America ends up being good enough to have a great crop. So a lot of things to be monitoring. Um, exports, like you said, Delaney, absolutely one of them. So let's dive into that weather. We've hinted at it a couple of times in South America. What happened last week? Where are we sitting? Southern Brazil is still too wet. Central Brazil overall is dry. They have had some showers, though, and the showers you know, keep the crop alive. But the question is, because of the heat that they've had, because of the drying of the subsoil moisture, they haven't had enough rain to fix the drought in Central Brazil. And that's where the bulk of the beans are grown in Mato Grosso. Essentially, the, the equivalent of an Iowa, Illinois, Indiana type of uh, situation just for that one part of the growing region. So that's where it's been spotty showers. And now today, the reason beans were up 30 cents is because they're taking some of the rain out of the forecast. They're putting the heat back in and that's been pushing the market higher today. So every day, whatever the weather forecast is in South America, that's pretty much how we trade until we get a better handle on is it actually net drying occurring down there or are things starting to get better with more rain and it's touch and go every other day? I mean, we did just see Conab drop their production estimates once again for corn and soybeans, both in, in South America. Do you think we're just going to continue to see these small incremental cuts as the growing season comes along because of weather? Yeah, I think, I think you're right. Um, so Conab had a cut, uh, Safras and Mercado, they had a cut today. They put their number at 158. So the, the trend is that the crop is getting smaller, but I think the reality is that our market isn't gonna, isn't going to get overly excited unless they have less than 150 million metric tons of production in Brazil. Uh, you have to remember that Argentina, they had a poor crop last year, but right now they've got ideal weather. So they're kind of back to normal. Uh, so the question though, of course, going forward is Brazil. So the number you wanna watch, if the perception is that that crop is less than 150 million metric tons, then then we got something to trade. Then we got something to talk about. Yeah, it's interesting to see that there's a lot of weather that could affect our soybean market. What's it gonna take to give corn the opportunity to run up here before the end of the year? Well, a few things. So, you know, we're watching the export sales and they've been actually quite all right. And there's rumors still that China's going to maybe be coming in and buying corn. Part of the rumors of China buying corn is because it's so dry in central Brazil. 
their crop was slow to get planted for beans. That means the beans are going to get slow to get harvested. If the beans are slow to get harvested, then second crop corn, the safrina crop, is slow to get planted, and then it's going to be growing in their traditional hot and dry season. And, and that's the corn that gets exported to the world at 70% of their production. It goes to the world in August and September when our corn isn't ready. So that's why the rumors are circulating that China might be coming in and buying more U.S. corn. So if we see that, that would make the market go higher. If we see more hot and dry weather in Brazil, that would make the market go higher. And again, seasonally, there is a tendency for corn prices to grind a little bit higher into the end of the year. Um, I think the reality, though, that we have 2 billion bushel carryout is going to be a reason for the market to have a hard time having a substantial rally. But I think from a seasonal perspective, there's potential there. If the funds want to exit some of those short positions and put profits on the books into year end, just them exiting short positions and buying them back would be a reason to have the market have a bounce higher, too. So a few factors that could be beneficial. Um, but again, that 2 billion bushel carry out until we see some legitimate perspective that that's getting smaller, that's just going to hang over us for the time being. Naomi, as we think about looking at wheat today, they certainly also had a big sell-off day today. What was pushing these markets lower? I think wheat was more technical in nature. So last week, the wheat market was able to have, you know, over an 80 cent rally over the past couple of weeks. And that was on China buying. The wheat market was up to the 200, I'm sorry, the 100 day moving average right around the 630 price area for the March contract. And then today, just because we didn't have any immediate bullish news of more China buying or anything in the world that was friendly for wheat prices, we're just having a little bit of a technical pullback. The wheat chart from a weekly perspective has a really huge bullish key reversal on it from last week. So there's some nice bottoming signals happening for wheat. We just um, don't have any big fresh news to get us pushing higher. But one thing to be aware of is that we still um, are not growing enough wheat in the world to meet demand and global ending stocks continue to trend lower compared to years ago. So we have to keep an eye on global weather for wheat and uh, continue to monitor both wars that are still occurring and how that can play into things going forward. I feel like wheat maybe is really trying to shift its course. We don't have any reason for sky high prices, but it feels like it's really trying to bottom out here right now. That's a good point. But as we wrap up our conversation for today, is there any parting comments you want to leave with our audience? Yeah, again, I think the biggest focus would be more for this week to watch the Fed commentary. Um, livestock also has a seasonal tendency to work a little bit higher, um, specifically live cattle, into the end of the year, just like corn, beans, and wheat do. Um, but use those opportunities to get current with cash sales. Don't get into a holiday lull. A lot of times, you know, sometimes we have lighter volume for the holidays, and that can be a benefit for prices. It might allow prices to work a little bit higher, especially if there's some bullish news that happens. But really use that to your advantage with your cash marketing. Be thinking even about not just what's in your bins, but thinking ahead to the coming year and the opportunities that might be there for the new crop because we have some decent values there overall. So no rest for the holidays. You got to stay on your toes. 
Um, a lot of times you can get some price action here into the end of the year. Fantastic. And Naomi, if our listeners want to pick your brain about markets more, where can they go to find you? Yeah, go ahead and give me a call, 800-334-9779 at Total Farm Marketing, or feel free to email me. It's a pretty simple email address, Naomi at TotalFarmMarketing.com. Awesome. Thanks again, Naomi, for joining us. And we hope you have a great Christmas season with your family. Thank you so much, you guys too. As always, it's great to be a part of Market Monday. Listeners, if you've got other guests you want us to talk to for the rest of the week, let us know. We're excited to dive into the holiday season and happy to share with you. But for today, Delaney, what would you say? Should we let them go? Let's let them go. 